Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello and welcome to This Was My Favorite Race of the Formula 1 season so far this year through three races. The 2023 Australian Grand Prix recap. Gonna go over the things that happened early on in the weekend, the actual Grand Prix itself and all the events in it, if you can make any sense of it. And then go over the race results before going over the storylines I gave you pre-race, pre-weekend, and then reviewing my predictions and podium predictions. Also giving you an update on the championship standings for drivers and constructors, talking about what is next from the world of Formula One. So the weekend happenings that we had. We got a red flag in FP1, not for a crash or a car stopping on circuit, but because the FIA and the teams lost GPS data from their computer systems, leading to massive massive traffic jams on fast and slow laps, coinciding with different teams at the wrong times. Plenty of cars did spin out or run wide, though, with Sergio Perez running wide at a handful of different corners, Max Verstappen going off and spinning a couple of times, uh, Kevin Magnussen finding the gravel at every possible uh Turn, Yuki Sonoda having a heavy spin in the gravel trap at turn one, turn two, I guess, as well, the little chicane. Um, the Alpha Tower even took a spin and bounce, yes, through the turn one gravel trap. There was just later on in the note. FP2 was mostly rained out, and Fernando Alonso took P1 in that session with nothing else really to speak of. FP3, we saw Sergio Perez going off at almost every single opportunity on the track at some point throughout the session. But again, not much other action besides that. And we have qualifying. Sergio Perez drifted off the track and ended up beached on his very first fast lap, leaving him to start from P20 on the grid. Max Verstappen was struggling at one point, even having his fastest lap in Q3, only getting him to P6 before hooking up on the final flying lap and taking pole ahead of the two Mercedes and Fernando Alonso in P4. Hours before the race, Valtteri Bottas's crew decides to work on the car as it hadn't been feeling right the whole weekend, meaning that Valtteri would be starting from the pit lane rather than on the grid. Something that Sergio Perez and the Red Bull would do as well to avoid the chaos at turn one on the opening lap. George Russell also had to change his gearbox out pre-race as Mercedes detected a sensor failure, so the team had to change out the gearbox to the original suspension um, just before going out onto the grid. So then we get to the actual race. George Russell takes the lead at turn one from Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton takes P2 from the Dutchman as well, down at turn three, as Charles Leclerc goes off spinning into the gravel trap behind them, forcing his retirement as the Ferrari is beached in the gravel. Full safety car is deployed to retrieve the stricken car. Esteban Alcon comes down pit lane to take a new set of hard tires to maybe go to the end of the race, kind of like the reverse Alexander Albon from the season before. Sergio Perez comes in as well to switch from hards to mediums before changing to hards on the next lap to try to also go to the end of the race, but we have a Mercedes 1-2 at the restart. The race resumed on lap 4. George Russell goes for an early getaway. Not so, or sorry, so not much immediate action happens at the restart as the uh, field is spread out before the start-finish line. Russell, Hamilton, and Verstappen start breaking away from Carlos Sainz, who is breaking away from Fernando Alonso, who has Alexander Albon breathing down his neck at this stage of the race. As DRS gets enabled, Hamilton and Verstappen are attacking Russell for the lead, and Russell is frustrated on the team radio, saying he's being told to manage his stuff while being attacked by his own teammate and demanding a more direct order from the team on whether he's pushing to defend or pushing to pull away from Hamilton and Verstappen behind. 
a full safety car is out on lap seven as Alexander Albon slid off and hit the barrier, breaking off the front wing and being stricken on top of the curbs at turn six. George Russell and Carlos Sainz pit for hard compound tires to also try to get to the end of the race, but then a red flag gets put out on lap eight, completely shuffling the entire race, allowing those who haven't pitted to get a free change of tires while keeping their positions. Points runners at this stage are Hamilton, Verstappen, Alonso, Stroll, Gasly, Hulkenberg, Russell, Sonoda, Norris, and Piastri. Carlos Sainz has fallen down to P11 with the pit stop, and Sergio Perez is up to P14. The race restart comes as a standing start procedure at 33 minutes past the hour. Part 2's restart is another bad start for Verstappen, leaving him battling Fernando Alonso rather than battling Hamilton for the lead. Uh, Russell is up to P5 from P7, halfway through the first green flag lap from the restart. Sainz is up one spot into the points, and Perez has fallen down to P16. Stroll as well has fallen down the order from P4 to P6 after the initial lap. Verstappen uh, breezes past Lewis Hamilton at the turn 9-10 chicane with DRS, pointing out a two-second gap between the two in the next few corners just to kill the enthusiasm that we might actually have a race today. Sorry, that I started, I thought my microphone just stopped. It started blinking red. I thought it might have muted, so if you didn't hear me, oops, I'm sorry. Uh, Russell gets past Gasly for P4 on lap 13 after that 9-10 chicane and into turn 11, using Gasly as a buffer between himself and Lance Stroll. Carlos Sainz is moving back through the field, passing Stroll for P6 on lap 15 at turn 3 with an aggressive lunge up the inside of the Aston Martin, while Sergio Perez has just now gotten back up to P14, where he restarted after the red flag. Sainz is, at the moment of this race, going about three-tenths of a second per lap faster than the race leader, Max Verstappen. My live thought is, that's great, but Ferrari's tire deg attached to Sainz pushing pace doesn't really bode well for the tire life, I don't think. Lap 17, Aston Martin tells Fernando Alonso to push Hamilton and see if they can force a mistake or even a higher level of deg from the Mercedes. The very next lap, George Russell's car catches fire on the main straight forcing, the deployment of the VSC on lap 18, but the pit lane is closed because that is the place where Russell brought his car to a stop, the exit of pit lane. The VSC ends on lap 19. The race resumes with Verstappen, Hamilton, Alonso, Gasly, Sainz, Stroll, Hulkenberg, Norris, Sonoda, and Piastri in the points paying places. After a handful of laps and a lot of half looks, Carlos Sainz dummies Pierre Gasly down into turn three and gets past to take over P4, now two seconds behind Fernando Alonso, and then the Ferrari begins to give chase. Alcon overtakes Oscar Piastri at the turn 9-10 chicane on lap 26 in one of the harder-fought defenses by Piastri, going wheel-to-wheel -wheel with his former academy team through one of the fastest sets of corners on the calendar. Alcon then takes P10 from Yuki Sonoda to take the final points-paying place, something that Oscar Piastri has been struggling to do for a while now. Speaking of which, Piastri finally does get the move done on Sonoda at that same chicane he was overtaken by Alcon on lap 29. Halfway home, and it's Max Verstappen out front by 7 and a bit seconds over Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso rounding out the theoretical podium with Sainz, Gasly, Stroll, Hulkenberg, Norris, Perez, and Alcon rounding out the points positions. A couple of laps later, Karun Chandok comes on to say that he's hearing multiple drivers talking about pit strategies, and he expects pit stops from some, if not all, of the field, having them come in within the next 10 laps from lap 32 at this point. Hamilton is worried about the pace of Alonso behind, but Bono assures him that with the tires they have available to them, they have confidence 
that Alonso wouldn't be able to keep the advantage over the Mercedes to the end of the race. Sainz, Gasly, Stroll, and Hulkenberg are all making up time on Alonso, and therefore Hamilton, meaning the Mercedes and Aston Martin may end up being forced to go faster than they are comfortable with just to keep their positions. At 37, Ted Kravitz, Kravitz wow, uh, says Yuki Tsunoda has a power in unit issue he's managing, explaining that he's lost a few positions in the last couple of laps further down the grid. Logan Sargent comes in to change tires at the tail end of the field as Verstappen posts the fastest lap of the race, which is immediately beaten by Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton then gets on the radio saying the guys behind him are really fast, comical, but also showing the fine line between managing the tires to the end while also keeping the pace. Oh, and Verstappen cares about that uh, fastest lap point for the world championship, taking it right back on the next circuit. Otmar Zaffenhauer joins the broadcast to say he thinks everyone is just managing tires to the end of the race, saying he knows that the tires on his Alpine cars can make it to the end, but different levels of aggression throughout the field will determine everyone else's race result. Lewis Hamilton takes the fastest lap back on the next lap from Verstappen, by the way. Oh, and then Verstappen takes it back yet again on the next circuit. Uh, Hamilton comes on the radio and says, I'm not losing out to him. So is that Hamilton saying Verstappen with the fastest lap? Or is it Hamilton saying Alonso for the second step on the podium? Dang it! Sergio Perez took the fastest lap on lap 43. Yes, there is stuff happening in the race, but if I were to tell you every single person going for a move, or at least half a move, I would be on this podcast episode for an hour. Speaking of Perez, he overtakes Lando Norris at turn 9 for P8 on lap 43. The Red Bull DRS advantage really starts showing here, breezing past the McLaren before they even hit the braking zone. Perez passes Hulkenberg on lap 45 at turn 11, another simple pass for the Red Bull, although this one is done under braking rather than in the middle of the straight. Back out front, Alonso is told that he is all good to push on lap 45. The team tell him the tires will make it to the end, so he is free to go for it. For what it's worth at this point, he is actually barely faster than Hamilton after getting that message. Take that back. Fernando Alonso took the fastest lap of the race on lap 47, although he only took two tenths out of Hamilton on that particular lap. Max Verstappen runs wide and almost spins out in the second-last corner of the circuit on lap 47, giving up nearly three and a half seconds to Lewis Hamilton behind. Verstappen comes on the radio to say that he keeps front-locking there while his teammate takes the fastest lap away on lap 48. Max takes it back on lap 50, and this might be my favorite battle on the track for the day at this point. It's done on the stopwatch. Norris goes for a move on Hulkenberg at turn 11, and Hulkenberg moves twice to defend, which was extremely dangerous, but Hulk's race engineer somehow tells him that he's doing a great job. Not really sure about that one. Uh, Norris goes for the move at the same spot on the next lap around the outside, but just can't make it stick. So third time lucky. Hulk misses the apex to the corner at turn 11 and lets Lando alongside in turn 12, and the McLaren driver wasn't missing out this time, leaving space for Hulk, but the Haas still finds a way to go through the gravel trap. Kevin Magnussen loses his right rear wheel on the car on lap 54, stopping at turn 5 in what is the real-life parks car parking lot. The carcass of the tire is still sitting on track, forcing a full safety car with 5 laps remaining. Oscar Piastri comes in for a set of soft tires in case the race were to resume with a lap or two's worth of racing, having a 19-second gap behind him to ensure his P11 position at worst, although most drivers and teams think the race will end under safety car, but... A red flag is put out with three minutes remaining, or three laps remaining. That's right. That means anyone can come in and put on a set of soft tires for a standing start and two lap dash to the finish. So who has the new sets of softs and not just scrub sets? Well, just Lando Norris and Sergio Perez. 
So great drama there. Then we get to the restart. Max Verstappen covers off Lewis Hamilton on the restart, but not so lucky for Fernando Alonso, who is spun by fellow Spaniard Carlos Sainz as Sergio Perez goes wide at turn one as well. The two Alpines collide as they try to avoid everyone else. Both cars end up with terminal damage. Lance Stroll goes wide at turn three, breaking way too late and ending up in the gravel trap, as well as Logan Sargent further on down the grid. We've either lost six cars or at least seen six cars involved in incidents on this restart. And commentary is wondering if they will restart the race again after they've just put out another red flag since the lap counter says lap 58 of 58 when they reach the pit lane. The rules state that the classification would go back to the grid slots um, from the previous restart if they didn't complete a single sector, but no one can tell if they finished one or not or if they need to do a full lap if the rule is different. But for my money, in the moment, I thought that Verstappen was clearly through the first sector before the red flag was put out, as the red flag was put out on the television screen, which is as soon as race control hits the button, um, with the midfield going through turn four, and the first sector ends after turn five. So I'm not really sure about that one, but Haas told Nico Hulkenberg that they think the field would be taken out to complete the final lap behind the safety car, meaning the final classification would be that after the crashes taking place rather than the order of the grid on the restart. But the decision is then sent um, that they would send the cars back out for the checkered flag. Um, so we get the final result given to us, but then Carlos Sainz is given a five-second time penalty for causing a collision with Fernando Alonso, which I don't understand. And the way that this race finished, I will get to in a second. I don't understand why they still gave it to him or did it at all. Um, but it really was just a racing incident, I think. Uh, <laughs> Sainz is trying to outbreak Gasly for position. Alonso is slowing down ahead of them to try to go around uh, Lewis Hamilton ahead. So he's slowing down. Uh, Sainz is speeding up. And they just collide at the apex of the corner. There's not really anything more to it than that in my eyes. Um, but anyways, the race classification, we had Max Verstappen winning the Australian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso make up the rest of the podium, which is why I'm very confused about Carlos Sainz still getting the penalty because they're going back to the lineup of the grid places, giving Fernando Alonso the podium still, but then penalizing Sainz for doing something that in all actuality from the classification didn't even happen. So I'm not really sure on that one. Lance Stroll, Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Nico Hulkenberg, Oscar Piastri, Joe Guanyu, and Yuki Tsunoda make up the rest of the points-paying places after Carlos Sainz's penalty drops him from P4 to P12. Haas tried to protest the race result after Hulkenberg dropped from P7 at the time of the red flag to P7 in the final classification, but the FIA rejected the protest. Retirements from the race were a long list, starting with Charles Leclerc, Alex Albon, George Russell, Kevin Magnussen, Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries, Esteban Alcon, and Pierre Gasly. Most of those coming on that last restart. <laughs> so storylines headed into the weekend. We'll see how they played out. Mercedes, the question going into the weekend was now what? But shoot, without George Russell's first mechanical failure as a member of the Mercedes team, we might be talking about a Mercedes double podium with the pace that the Brackley outfit displayed in this Grand Prix. Russell took the lead early and held it until the red flag came out at an inopportune time, still battling back before the engine failure really ended his day ultimately. Hamilton wasn't fast enough to latch onto the back of Verstappen and actually challenge for the win, but he could at least keep Alonso at bay with relative ease, or at least it seemed like that. 
You could hear the relief in Hamilton's voice on the radio. That the weekend came together for the team, though, and the Silver Arrows will be looking extremely threatening should their upgrade package at Imola to race this time bring the performance that the team is expecting from it. Red Bull dominance was the next storyline I was talking about pre-race. I might have to quit expecting the dominance from Red Bull. The team actually looked vulnerable this weekend at almost every point. Checo obviously did his own race weekend, race weekend in without the help or misfortune of anyone else, but Verstappen ultimately had the field covered in the race, but it wasn't as clear-cut and running away from everyone like people were expecting. The gap kind of stayed between 7 and 11 seconds all race, which, not that that's a small gap, mind you, but the gap never really got out of hand like it did in Bahrain with like the 50-some second gap to the first non-Red Bull car. That didn't happen here. Checo also couldn't carve through the field like Max did in Saudi, but he's also not as aggressive. But like I said, the team looked vulnerable, and maybe it's a sign that it won't be as much of a cakewalk for Red Bull as it was expected after Bahrain. Then I asked, can Aston Martin keep it up? I'm not so sure, really. Fernando Alonso resumed his P3 on the results page, but Lance Stroll was falling down the order back to where many would have expected him to start the season if you would have told them where Fernando Alonso was going to be. One of the two thi- one of these two things is happening. Obviously, Aston Martin has a quality car, but either Fernando is dragging it higher than it should be, or Stroll isn't a high enough level driver to get that same performance out of it. Obviously, being a multiple world champion, you'd expect Alonso to be the faster of the teammates, but that gap seems to only be widening as the schedule has progressed. Then I asked how would Ferrari respond to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix disappointment. Charles Leclerc hardly got the chance to show anything as he spun on lap one and ultimately didn't even finish the first lap. Signs looked great all weekend, outpacing Leclerc for most sessions and running as a top three fastest car in the circuit at any point throughout the race. It obviously would have been nice to see how the race played out with both Ferraris finishing, but I think the signs coming out of Australia are that Ferrari are closer to the front than many thought after the first two races. There are some updates for Imola rumored for Ferrari as well as Mercedes. A new side pod concept and possibly a new wing combination are in the making, with Ferrari hoping hoping to roll those updates out for their first home race of the season at the Enzo Edino uh, circuit. Does that car look like Red Bull, though, or do they go for a more refined version of their current concept? I can't wait to see that. McLaren, what is happening? That was the next storyline I had coming into the weekend. Lando missed out on FP1 due to repairs taking place on the right rear of the car. He's now missed time in practice in Bahrain and Australia, and missed out on most of the race in Bahrain in terms of being competitive due to mechanical issues. The team said the FP1 delay was the removal of aero sensors and nothing wrong with the car, which sounds fine, but they were going at the car with tape, so it's kind of hard to believe that. Though, we have the next race in Baku where they've been talking about an upgrade package coming that will significantly help the performance of the car, so can that matter if the car can't even stay out on track, or is it going to help everything, like the overheating, the engine, everything? Is that all going to be helped? We'll have to wait and see. Last but not least, I didn't mention this before the weekend, but the dimensions of the grid boxes changed from 2.4 to 2.7 meters, and no one got a penalty for a starting procedure for the first time all season because of it. Let's go. So reviewing my predictions for the race, I was 2-8 on the season coming in. First one was a Charlotte Claire podium, and he crashed out on the first lap. He didn't even finish one lap. Never mind on the podium. So the loser to start out this review. Oscar Piastri points, and we got it. Let's go, Oscar. 
And as a McLaren fan, this was the only bright spot to the final restart for me. Make it a winner. No full safety cars my next one, and boy was I ever wrong. Not only did we have two full safety cars, we had numerous red flags. Williams into Q3, and Albon did this one for me. Uh, the man doesn't get enough credit for dragging that car to the places it doesn't belong, including Q3. Fernando Alonso to top a practice session. Thank you, Mother Nature. The rain-affected session of FP2 did wonders for this one as he topped the session to make me a winner. Reviewing my podium prediction, I predicted Verstappen, Alonso, Leclerc, and we actually got Verstappen, Hamilton, Alonso. It seems like Verstappen and Alonso are going to be on the steps of the podium every single weekend now. Let's update the driver's standings before we go into our little break here. Driver's standings, Max Verstappen holds a 15-point lead over teammate Sergio Perez with Fernando Alonso in P3. We only have two drivers yet to score points. That is Logan Sargent and Nick DeVries. Um, in the constructor standings, Red Bull have nearly doubled Aston Martin's points total. It's 123 to 65, respectively, at the top of the table, with Mercedes 9 points behind the Aston Martin and Ferrari 30 points further back. McLaren's so-terrible car uh, still has them positioned in P5 in the constructor's chase. So up next, we have a four-week break before the Azerbaijan Grand Prix on April 30th. But thankfully after that, we have double and triple headers galore to whet our Formula 1 appetite for some time. So that's all I got for this one. Talk to you in about four weeks' time with the Azerbaijan race uh, preview. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Bye-bye.